May 29th. And now we look into the New Testament reading for today, and it will be from the book of John, chapter 18, verses 1 through 24. Here's what's going on in this chapter of the book of John. Judas depended on the strength of numbers, Peter on the strength of his arm, Annas and Caiaphas on the strength of their position, but Jesus on the strength of love and devotion to the Father. Jesus had a cup in his hand, not a sword, but that cup was his scepter. He was in complete control. On the other hand, Peter fought when he should have yielded and followed when he should have fled. Yielding and fleeing looked like defeat, but they were the Father's will, and Peter should have obeyed. While Jesus was giving his witness to the high priest, Peter was outside denying the Lord. Which was the successful witness, Peter or Jesus? Well, it's pretty obvious. Now, as a Roman governor, Pilate was worried about the threat of another kingdom. Verse 36, as we shall see, is certainly a rebuke to believers who follow the example of Peter. At Pentecost, Peter wielded the sword of the Spirit and won a victory. And with that, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. May 29th, John chapter 18, verses 1 through 24. After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas the betrayer knew this place because Jesus had gone there many times with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a battalion of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. Stepping forward to meet them, he asked, Whom are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. Judas was standing there with them when Jesus identified himself. And as he said, I am he, they all fell backward to the ground. Once more he asked them, Whom are you searching for? And again they replied, Jesus of Nazareth. I told you that I am he, Jesus said, and since I am the one you want, let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement, I have not lost a single one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's servant. But Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup the Father has given me? So the soldiers, their commanding officer and the temple guards, arrested Jesus and tied him up. First they took him to Annas, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had told the other Jewish leaders, Better that one should die for all. Simon Peter followed along behind, as did another of the disciples. That other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, so he was allowed to enter the courtyard with Jesus. Peter stood outside the gate. Then the other disciple spoke to the woman watching at the gate, and she let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, "'Aren't you one of Jesus' disciples?' "'No,' he said. "'I am not.' The guards and the household servants were standing around a charcoal fire they had made, because it was cold." and Peter stood there with them, warming himself. Inside, 
the high priest began asking Jesus about his followers and what he had been teaching them. Jesus replied, What I teach is widely known, because I have preached regularly in the synagogues and the temple. I have been heard by people everywhere, and I teach nothing in private that I have not said in public. Why are you asking me this question? Ask those who heard me. They know what I said. One of the temple guards standing there struck Jesus on the face. Is that the way to answer the high priest, he demanded? Jesus replied, If I said anything wrong, you must give evidence for it. Should you hit a man for telling the truth? Then Annas bound Jesus and sent him to Caiaphas, the high priest. Today we're reading Psalm 119, verses 97 through 112. Those who love God's Word and obey it develop a practical wisdom for guiding their lives. It is dangerous to learn from your enemies, and both your teachers and your elderly friends may not know what you need to know. Learn all you can from every good source. But let God, not man, be your teacher. Because in a dark world, God's Word will be your light. To keep you from the traps and detours of the enemy, God gives you the light you need to make one step at a time. If you want more light, you must obey what He says. Then more light will come. God sends the light into your heart and gives you the wisdom you need. I don't know what's worse, blatantly and openly doing wrong or covering up our wrongdoings with religion. It's not a far stretch for me to relate with the two criminals that we are introduced to in Luke 23. One of the criminals speaks. He says this. He says, aren't you God? Save yourself and save us. Essentially, what this criminal hanging on a cross says to Jesus is, are you God? Aren't you, do you claim to be God? Prove it. Convince me. Win me over. This is what we do with God. Hey, if you're God, then, then, then prove it to me. If you're God, then why, why am I going through so much trouble? Maybe you blame God for the pain. and Maybe you blame God for the hurt in your life. This is the age-old question. People have been asking it since the beginning of time. And this thief, just because he's a criminal, he's no different. He says, aren't you God? Prove it to me. Almost to say, almost like, aren't you God? Then why is this happening? Why are we hanging on a cross? Why are we? And this is the question that people have been asking for years. If there's a good God, then why do bad things happen? Aren't you God? Then save me. As if God owes me. As if God owes me. Quite honestly, what, what have I ever done to merit God owing me anything? Aren't you really good? If you're good, prove it. I love that Jesus doesn't respond to this man. If Jesus were to say something, maybe he would have said, that's what I'm doing, genius. <laughs> Maybe not the sarcasm that I have, but yeah. It's exactly what I'm doing is, is saving you. Then the other criminal speaks up. He says, he says, are you crazy? You're hanging on the same cross. And then he says this phrase. 
And we are getting what we deserve. These criminals in Luke 23, they are getting what they deserve. They deserve to die for their deeds. As far as we know, they've never once professed God. They've never once lived right. They've never once tried to make amends. They've never once shown any sign of faith or good to community or neighbors or the church or anyone. The thieves, all they've done is take and hurt and lie and deceive. And make no mistake, they are getting what they deserve. And one of them is just now realizing it. To have the realization that you deserve all the bad that is coming your way. I deserve this. I'm actually getting like, this is just. It's just that I lose my marriage. It's just that I pay the price. It's just. I deserved it. He says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And it's, it's like a question, isn't it? Like, like, would you? Could you? Could you even remember me? There's no specifics. He doesn't ask for a time frame. I mean, this is a dire moment, but he's not, no pressure, Jesus. He doesn't ask for a guarantee. It's, it's not like he's bargaining with Jesus because he's, he's in a hopeless place. He realizes, I don't have anything to give. Like, I, I have nothing to bargain with. This is simply a feeble plea from a desperate man who's just realized that everything he's getting, he deserves it. And he looks to God and he says, would you just remember me? If you could. Have you ever felt that way with God? Have you ever felt like you couldn't pray? Shouldn't be in church? And Jesus' response, oh, it's the most powerful most powerful statement in the scripture from the cross the place of total defeat everyone else is like this man is moments from death but he's not he's moments from completing the greatest act sacrifice has ever taken place you say how do bad things turn to good I don't know maybe the death of God the worst thing in history resulting in the greatest thing in history here's Jesus from the point of total loss turns to this this malefactor. He says, today. Not, not when you work things out. Not when you go to church a few times. Not when you get in a city group. Or once you've read your Bible. Or you can quote you know, Psalms 23. Or you've asked everyone to forgive you. Or Today. You'll be with me. Psalm 119, verses 97 through 112. Oh, how I love your law. I think about it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for your commands are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I am always thinking of your decrees. I am even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. I have refused to walk on any path of evil that I may remain obedient to your word. 
I haven't turned away from your laws. For you have taught me well. How sweet are your words to my taste! They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. I've promised it once, and I'll promise again. I will obey your wonderful laws. I have suffered much, O Lord. Restore my life again, just as you promised. Lord, accept my grateful thanks, and teach me your laws. My life constantly hangs in the balance, but I will not stop obeying your law. The wicked have set their traps for me along your path, but I will not turn from your commandments. Your decrees are my treasure. They are truly my heart's delight. I am determined to keep your principles, even forever, to the very end. Proverbs 16, verses 8 and 9. It is better to be poor and godly than rich and dishonest. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps.